Good morning and welcome. Today we're going to be continuing uh, the look that we're having at the book of Mark, the series we're doing called The Words and Works of Jesus. I think we always need that resolve and that focus, that dedication and commitment to the words and works of Jesus, but goodness me, do we need it now. We want to focus on them to ensure that the uh, distractions of our life become less. Currently, I think, I don't know about you, but it just feels like there's so many and I don't want them to be the dominant force. You know, in Hebrews 10, 23, it says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we aff affirm for God can be trusted. This is a time and a season to hold tightly. We want to hold tightly to Jesus. It says Hebrews 10, 36, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. We want to be people that remain steadfast and stand firm. As we look today uh, at the passage in Mark, we're going to briefly consider what I believe is a bit of a roller coaster in this passage. It feels like the time we're in right now is a roller coaster. Many people are up and down. There's rapid twists of the highs and the lows, and the constant change of pace and the instability that so many of us are facing. In this time, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted. You know, I think the passage today is, we, um, is so helpful as we consider this. I'm going to break it into three natural segments that the passage comes in, but we're just going to look at um, Mark chapter 6. Let me just start reading in verse 1. It says this, Then Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all the wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honoured everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. You know, here's just a major dip in the roller coaster of this passage. Initially, everyone's amazed. You know, where did he get the wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then, bam, in comes the dip. They scoffed. You know, they didn't just scoff, but they called into question who he was, his authority. They sought to undermine him. They belittled him. They rejected him. You know, who's, he's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, his brothers, Joseph, James, Judas and Simon, his sisters live here, right here among us. You know, it's quite something, isn't it? How they treat him and then as a result of that, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief, not at their belief. You know, remember last week, if you if you listened and were part of that, in the passage, Jesus few threw some people out of their room because of their unbelief. He raised the girl from the dead 
but he had to take out of the room for that the people who he considered to have unbelief who were laughing at him because faith is like a lightning conductor and a lack of it inhibits what God wants to do among us because of their unbelief he couldn't do any miracles among them except place a few hands on some sick people to heal them he's amazed at their unbelief you know what a roller coaster we go on wouldn't it be easy to go on it right now for Jesus and his disciples in this moment and this time? I would say rejection is such a painful, wounding thing that takes so easily root in our lives. You know, someone's failure to relate to us or to interact with us in the way that we expected or that we hoped for. Maybe not getting the job that we applied for, not getting the grade that we'd worked for, not being part of the family dynamic or the friendship group that we'd expected or we'd presumed. Seeing others with the thing that maybe that we wanted. And rejection can get a hook in our heart. Have you ever been scoffed at or belittled, undermined or humiliated? You didn't know how to do something that others did and you feel humiliated. You don't have the thing to keep up with the Joneses. You know, the thing you tried didn't work out and you can sense the eyes of people around you with condemnation and judgment. You acted or reacted in a certain way, maybe even with regret, but you're under the spotlight of other people because of it. You know, it can easily become those moments of the dip of the roller coaster. It can be the point or the place um, where we want to get off. Or actually, you, you just like, I just want to throw in the towel. I'm done with this. It can become the, domina the, the dominating factor in our mind and it can propel us towards a place that lacks peace. I've often wondered how Jesus would have felt in this moment facing the scoffing and the rejection. I guess what I want to say though is it doesn't need to stop us. If anything, it, we can have an opportunity to take a grip of it and use it to form a healthy foundation to help us to hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted. You know, you don't you don't need to be honoured to be a faithful servant of Jesus. Rejection and being scoffed at don't need to become the logjammer for you. We can redirect pain to have a purpose rather than wallow or to be dictated by or um, dominated or directed by it. Rather than go into the dip of the roller coaster, Jesus presses through and I think he encourages us to do the same and we see it in the next stage of this passive verse 6 it says this he was amazed at their unbelief and yet then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two giving them authority to cast out evil spirits he told them take nothing for the journey except a walking stick no food no traveler's bag no money he allowed them to wear sandals but not take a change of clothes wherever you go he said stay in the same house until you leave the town but if anyone if any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate so the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God 
and they cast out many demons and healed many people, anointing them with olive oil. He's amazed at their unbelief, and yet he keeps going from village to village. Don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it will bring you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he's promised you. We press on and we press in. Regardless of the point on the roller coaster of life around us, we press on and we press in because he's called us to a mission. We're mandated to have a missional lifestyle. He called the 12 disciples together and he began sending them out, sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. We're sent and we're sent out with and in faith. You know, we know knocks will come. We've, we've, we've seen it in this passage. We've had it demonstrated that that's going to happen. You know, we know that even as we re-engage and we go again, that more will come. He sends them and he says that they're going to have moments where they're going to need to shake the dust from their feet. You know, he's saying have a soft heart, but have a protected heart. You know, let's, let's just be honest about this for a moment. Living in faith is hard and it's costly. There is often a safety and a stability of not living in faith because we're more assured of the outcome and we can see and we can protect the direction. But when we live in faith, we place our faith and our trust in God rather than ourselves. Let me just give you an example. You will know that 422 is, is pretty ambitious. We, we spent some time this week Many of us did, praying and fasting for it. I know loads of you did alongside us. I want to say once again, praying and fasting about it levelled me. It is outside of our control. It's beyond anything we can naturally achieve. And to that, do you know what I want to say? Good. Because that's exactly where we want to be. Because if we could do it, it's us. If 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 it will only work because of a miracle it can only be God and surely that's the thing that we want but it it doesn't mean that that's going to be comfortable it means at times overcoming rejection it means at times overcoming being scoffed at it might mean having many elements where we can't control it where it's beyond our resources and again do you know what I want to say to that is good because that's faith and that's trust. All we ever need to be assured of is the fact that it's his idea and not our idea. And the main thing that landed on me this week as we prayed afresh and we fasted for it again, not that we haven't before, but as we went again collectively in doing that, the thing that landed on me is this is his, not ours. When God calls you to an extraordinary task, he provides extraordinary resources. So all that then comes of it is faith and trust. We want to be people who are faithful, full of faith, have faith, live in faith and trust and cling to him. Well, okay, how on earth do we do that? Well, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. it was by faith 
that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. We keep our eyes on the one who is invisible. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We don't reduce it to human terms. We don't reduce it to our understanding. You know, we think back to the lessons that were learned by the disciples in the boat and the storm in previous weeks we've looked at in this overview of Mark. It's with eyes on Jesus that we navigate the storm and we prepare for the next with greater faith and greater trust. It's the same principle All we concern ourselves is with the words and the works of Jesus, not with the storm. Stepping into faith by its very nature means stepping into the unknown. There'll be many things that feel uncomfortable, but we have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable because then we're living in faith, not by sight. Learning to trust rather than thinking we can we can do it, living beyond what we can do, because if we can do it, it's our idea and not his idea. If it doesn't need a miracle, it doesn't need faith. And if it doesn't need faith, we aren't dreaming big enough to allow the unlocking of the resources of heaven. Do Do you see what I mean? Because it's less of a roller coaster, our emotions yo yo less, our spiritual lives yo-yo less when we learn to trust. We aren't yo-yoing because our eyes are on the one who is invisible. We take our eyes off him for a second and we see the storm and we see the obstacles as disproportionately larger than they need to be. Because whilst they are there and they will be there and there'll be more ahead, Jesus is in the boat and it's with eyes on him that we're able to have faith and trust. You see what I'm saying? Because steps of faith give us opportunities to increase our trust in God and our reliance on him and reduce our need for human reliance. So the greater the obstacle, the greater the challenge, the greater we step into the thing that we believe he's called us to do, the greater the opportunity to overcome those obstacles with faith and trust and reliance on him. Are there many things ahead of us that we don't have the resources for and we can't fully see or understand? Yes, absolutely. But that builds and increases our faith. Is that easy? No. Is it hard? Well, yes. But the more I think about these things, I would rather live in a way that it sometimes finds us in a place of rejection, that sometimes finds us in a place where people will scoff, sometimes leads us to a place where we'll have doubts. At times it means that I may well, we may well find ourselves flat on our face having things that don't work out in the way we hoped or planned but it's also the pathway and the route to seeing and releasing the miracle. See we'll, we'll see him more and he'll move more when it's only him that can do it. We'll be on our faces in dependence more when it's only him that can do it. We work and we act like it depends on us, not because it does or not because we don't trust him, but because we give it everything we've got within us and we pray like it depends on him because it does, because it's not us, it's him. So we do well to ask ourselves, well, how are we living in faith? 
You know, are we comfortable at the minute or are we being stretched? Because he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out. He sends us and he sends us in and with faith to step into faith. So the disciples went out telling everyone they must repent of their sins and turn to God. That's what the passage says. It says, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. We're sent out to live out, to do the words and the works of Jesus. Let me just give you a really quick few practical outworkings of this. You know, as a as a church, as I mentioned, 422 is a huge step of faith. We pray, we work, we dig into it with everything within us. But more broadly, as we prepare for what's ahead in this next season and this next chapter, how might this and how can this shape us right now? Well, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted. Right now, we're living in a time that's a roller coaster for so many, but we hold tightly without wavering, and we are sent to offer and to, uh, to involve others in that, and they've probably never needed it or been more open to it. You know, I want to say Easter is an incredible opportunity for that. Last Easter, statistically, it was engaged with globally at one of the highest levels ever recorded. People are looking and longing for hope in a time of crisis. They're more open to that and to explore that and to explore Jesus than probably ever before. Easter is a significant time. And I want to encourage us to, to seize that moment. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I wish we were going to be in person. But being online does actually make it quite easy to invite and for the exposure to people of it to be higher. You know, we, who, who, who could it be that you could invite in a few weeks? I'd encourage you to start praying, to start considering who you might invite, who you can offer life and hope to. And I know that's a step of faith. You know, I saw a church last year that encouraged everybody in their church to share a one minute clip on their social media of their personal story and then inviting somebody to, to their church gathering online. Now, that might be a step too far for you, but honestly, what can you do? How can you do it? What little gift or treat could you share with somebody now that might sow the seed for an invite in a couple of weeks? This is an easy invite season and we're sent. We are a sent people. We have a mission and a mandate to go to people and invite them to understand and be part of the story of God. The world is watching. That's that's one practical outworking of faith in this moment, I'd say. The other is this. The more we realise we're sent, the more we realise we need to be equipped for it. You know, the disciples went out telling everyone that they needed to repent of their sins and turn to God. They cast out many demons and many people were healed and they anointed them with oil. We need to be equipped for all that God has called us to do, to live out the words and the works of Jesus. On the, on the 6th of April, we're going to have a healing night online. We'd, we'd love to invite you to that. Helen's going to be leading it. You can sign up online and we'd love to know in advance if you're coming so that we can structure it. But it will be an opportunity to receive prayer, yes, for healing, but also a practical explanation of how to step out and do the stuff that Jesus has called us to do. We want to create environments that equip us and prepare us to do it and to live it out. I hope that's helpful as a practical outworking. But the, the final segment of this roller coaster, we pick it up in verse 14. 
Herod Antipas, the king, soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. Others said, he's the prophet Elijah. Still others said, he's the prophet like the great prophets of the past. You know, so much of the the book of Mark is trying to provoke us to make a decision about Jesus. You can see it in those couple of passages I just read. He's causing a stir. And it's offering to people different options. Many people made up their own explanations of his power and his authority. But I guess I just wanted to ask you, well, what's yours? Because what happened then is no different to today. People still debate him as a, a prophet, a teacher or a good man. But what is your view of Jesus? Because Jesus, the son of God, calls us to repent of our sins and turn to God, to place our faith and our trust in him as Lord and Saviour. But the roller coaster part continues. The passage goes on. It says this, when Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded has come back from the dead. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favour for Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod married her. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a huge grudge against John and wanted him killed. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless, for Herod respected John, and knowing that he was good and holy man, protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed when he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, who also named Herodias came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. Ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He vowed I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. She went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Then the king deeply regretted what he'd said. But because of the vows he'd made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in prison and brought his head on a tray and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. When John's disciples heard what had happened, they came to get the body and buried it in a tomb. I mean, what a roller coaster of a passage. You know, initially... The rejection and the scoffing is a low and then they're sent out and there's moments of miracles and now we find that John the Baptist is is beheaded. The highs and the lows, the wins and the gains, the pains and the losses, the depths of despair, the feelings of dis- defeat. Why do, why do we even bother? You know, have you, have you ever felt any of them? Have you been on that roller coaster? As we press into the words and works of Jesus, life isn't just highs, there's many lows and dips in it. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted. Do not throw away the confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what is promised. The explanation of what's happened in this part of the passage is probably a bit longer 
for what we have time for today. But just in a nutshell, a guy called Philip ruled over one part of Palestine. His wife was Herodias. She had left him to marry Herod Antipas. When John confronted the two for committing adultery, Herodias formed a plot to kill him. The turn and repent message that we carry and that's carried in the gospel and that John the Baptist was carrying isn't always popular. You know, rather than dealing with her sin, she's trying to deal with the one who brought it into public attention. Does that, does that sound familiar? Because that's exactly what happened to those who plotted to kill Jesus. Living out our faith is not always comfortable. And I would say that may be increasingly so in a post-pandemic world as the secularisation continues. But we hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted. Verse 26, the king deeply regretted what he'd said, but because of the vows he made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. In the end, Herod had John killed because of the pressure from his friends and family and because of a vow that he'd made in the moment. How do, how do we live under pressure? You know, we, we're currently living under pressure, aren't we? The times of replenishment that we would have had before will have changed or decreased. There is a rise in anxiety and strains. There is a change in many of our working patterns and relational interactions. Some of the things before that were a weight or a slight strain are now a real burden. You know, you might be raising a young child with all of the relational interactions and changes. You might be planning a wedding with all of the pains and confusion of this moment. You might be undertaking a significant shift in your working routine. Post-pandemic life is not just going to be a switch that flips us back. If anything, it's easier to stop doing things than it is to re-engage with them. Words, words are really powerful. And in a time like this, you know, really, really more so. What we say and how we say it can shape and dictate and have huge consequences. I think there is a real word of caution to us here in how Herod acted. Because a moment of reflection, and it's a sobering call to contemplation. How is pressure impacting you? You know, is it taking you on a roller coaster at the moment? What's being pushed aside that shouldn't be, or being pulled front and centre that shouldn't be? The pressure to compromise, the pressure to make choices and decisions that blow us off course. I'm seeing so many in so many places all around, not, not just in the city, but in many places where that is happening. The habits and the practices maybe that give short-term relief, but are destructive to our faith. The comfortable option of coasting rather than living missionally and stepping out. We need a review moment to ensure that we're living healthfully and we're living wisely. I think there is so much to learn from this passage and the roller coaster that we see. Yes, there's a roller coaster of life and things change, but in our faith, in our um, stability of our spiritual 
authority and submission to the Lord. We want to be people that develop a consistency and people that develop an approach to life where we bring and offer hope regardless of the surrounding environment. That's so much that I learn and see and gain and glean from this passage. No matter the rejection and the pain and the scoffing, no matter the, the sent out and we see the miracle and we see the high, and then seeing the pain and the sadness of what happened to John the Baptist and the pressure that Herod gave into. All of those moments of life, we would say in this moment, we're having our own roller coaster. We want to find a consistency and a stability in Jesus and in Jesus alone. We hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted. It's by keeping our eyes on the invisible, keeping our eyes on Jesus, that we can do that and have that more evident in our lives. I trust that's helpful. We're just going to have a moment of praying and waiting on the Lord. Steph's going to join me as we do that.